All right, all right. You can go ahead and take a seat. And uh, why don't we call out, what are some of our favorite summertime activities? Anybody hear something interesting? Baseball. Baseball. Tubing. Tubing. Yeah. That's on my bucket list. Kayaking. Was yours kayaking? No, you shook, your, you shook your head after. Camping, yes. Yes, I love summer. I'm just a summer fan. And so Holly and I, my wife, we love to travel in the summertime. The only thing is that I am a consummate overpacker. Anybody else know what it's like to be an overpacker? Like I'm the kind of person that we're going for a weekend and I start counting on my fingers how many days. I'm like, okay, two days. I like go through my whole closet and just start swiping stuff <laughs> into my bag. And so one of the ways that my wife Holly and I have been able to travel is that what we do normally in the summertime before our little one lively came along is that we would go to national parks. And so it would be really inexpensive because we would end up packing a bag that looks like this bag up on uh, up here. And we would pack it with all of our camping stuff. And so we would have our tents. We would have our cooler. We would have like machete. Uh, not because we would need it, just because it's cool, right? Like you're just like all the guys in the room are like, yes, like you just need to bring one. You're like, what are you going to do with it? Don't know. You know, no idea, but it's cool to have. We'd have all of our clothes, everything that we need for two weeks worth of camping in one of these bags. And inevitably, what would happen is I would get to the check-in. And when you go into the check-in, if you haven't been on an airplane yet, uh, which some people in Wisconsin, you know, y'all got to get on some airplanes. And so you go in, you check in, there's this little scale. So you got to put your bag on the scale. And if it's over any amount of weight, so it's like 55 pounds, if it's over 55 pounds, they charge you an additional like $800. They're like, you want to bring that extra? 800 bucks. And so every time that I go, it ends up, I got to put it down on the ground, lay stuff out and start deciding what we're, it feels like I'm about to have a yard sale, like in the middle of the TSA. And so it ends up where we ditch some stuff, we go on vacation. So this one year we went to Seattle, Washington, and we had an amazing time. And uh, we just kind of were camping around, we went to Yosemite, and it ends up where we had to return turn our vehicle and we we're going to take an Uber back to the airport. The only thing is that we had most of the day to spend hanging about Seattle. And so unlike people who have money, those who don't and go camping have to carry around their bags. So there's no like check in at the hotel where you're like, hey, can you just hang on to it for a little bit? And so I'm, I'm on this, this street called Queen Street, 45 degree angle, right? Everything that we own, I'm literally just like pushing the bag like this up the hill the whole time. Those two experiences taught me this understanding. It's that whatever you don't leave behind will leave you burdened. It taught me this experience. Whatever you don't leave behind will leave you burdened. Today, I want to talk about this idea, traveling light, traveling light. You see, we've been in this story of the Bible, and we've been talking about this idea of the story of us, that your story and my story are caught up in this larger story of the Bible. And I think today, some of us are going to be benefited from hearing this message about what it looks like to go through life traveling light. And so I want to read from the passage, Luke chapter 5, and then we'll dissect a little bit about what it means. So it says this, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake, and the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've been working hard all night long and have caught nothing. Somebody say nothing. We've caught nothing. But if you say so, 
a let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they were beginning to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Jesus says this. He says, Don't be afraid. Jesus told Simon, From now on you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, left what? Left everything and followed him. So leading up to this story, the entire book of Luke is about this man whose name is Jesus. And really this, this book of Luke is connected with another book of the New Testament called Acts. And so Luke and Acts come together to form a whole. Uh, back in the day, this is called the Codex, uh, for those of you who are interested. Before the Codex, they had scrolls. And so you could only fit so much on a scroll before it was rather uncomfortable to use. And so they put these two scrolls and these two together were Luke and Acts. Now, the idea behind this is actually, as you watch Luke and Acts unfold, is that in the beginning of Luke, you see Jesus starting out in a town called Galilee. And so he's kind of outside the outskirts of the city center and outside of the religious center. Jesus moves from Galilee to Samaria and to Judea, and then he ends his ministry in Jerusalem. Jesus is then crucified in Jerusalem, rises again from the dead, and he says to his followers, stay here, and then you're going to receive power. And when you receive power, then you're going to go from Jerusalem, right, where Jesus ended, you're going to go to Samaria, and then you're going to go to the ends of the earth. And so you see this expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes into the religious center to show you what it really means to follow Jesus and not just religion, and then to bring this good news to the rest of of the world. And so what happens in this passage is Jesus sees a couple of fishermen, uh, one whose name is Peter. Now, Peter is kind of a go-getter. He oftentimes gets himself in trouble. So if you're that kind of person, just know you're in good company. And so Peter is sitting there, and he's got a couple of boats, and he's a working professional. He knows what he's doing. He's a fisherman. And so I want you to imagine if I came to your job as you were unsuccessful, and I said, listen, you're doing it wrong. Uh, and being a pastor, you're like, first of all, what do you even know, right? But I'm like, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. Do, just do the same thing you're doing except the opposite way, right? And you got to imagine that these guys are like, what is Jesus talking about? There's no way. So they go out, they put their nets on the other side. They catch a whole lot of fish. Peter runs over to Jesus, recognizing he's somebody who is different than the rest of the religious teachers at the time, falls down and says, listen, I'm not worthy to be in relationship with you. I'm not worthy for you to be around me. And it's in that moment that Jesus says, these incredible words where Jesus says this. He says, from now on, you'll be catching people. In verse 11, they brought their boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Whatever you don't leave behind will leave you burdened. You see, I think we need this because some of us, we're trying so hard and we're wondering why we're burned out. And the reason we're burned out is not because we're not doing the right things. It's not because we're not going the right places. It's because we're trying to carry something that's too heavy. Some of us, were wondering why we're feeling so tired or so distracted. We're wondering why we're not being changed. We're wondering why we're not experiencing joy. And the reason why is because we're holding on to something that we should have left behind the entire time. And so I got Bob with me here today. Bob is somebody who's muscular, unlike yours truly. And so Bob's going to come up. And so, Bob, what I want you to do, don't, don't break 
anything. But just go ahead and just go ahead and just bear hug this and just lift it up for a little bit. And I'm just going to keep preaching while you're doing that. You see, what happens is, is we come to know Jesus and we come to Jesus and what we do is we end up with this, this baggage, right? And it's heavy. And we're carrying it, and Jesus is like, come follow me. And we're like, I want to experience joy. And the whole time we're like, why am I so tired? And we're trying to experience joy in our marriage. And we're like, why am I so, Bob's like, you know, muscles bulging right now. Veins <laughs> popping like some of us right now. He's going to get the pump by the time we're done, right? And we're wondering, why is it so difficult to follow Jesus? Why am I so burned out? Why is my marriage not looking the way I want it to? Why does my faith feel like one time I was excited and now it feels like I'm just tired of following Jesus? And the reason why, how you doing? It's getting heavy. It's getting heavy. It's getting heavy. <laughs> the reason why is because we're carrying things we should have left behind when we started following Jesus. I drew that last sentence out as long as possible. Thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate that. Everybody say thank you to Bob for being the man. And so here's what I want to talk about today. You see, because in order for this to be heavy, there's got to be some weights in it. I, don't, I, I kind of tricked Bob into this. And so uh, there's got to be some weights in it. And so today I want to talk about three different weights, three different things that Jesus invites us to leave behind so that we don't need to carry the burden any longer because what you don't leave behind will leave you burdened. Starting in verse 4, I just want to talk about this first one. You see, because we want to leave behind trust in my way and instead trust in Jesus' way. That, that's the first challenge that we have to overcome, the first burden that we have to leave behind. Here's what it says in verse 4. It says, when he had finished speaking, this is talking about Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, let down your nets for a catch. He said, master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but, somebody say but careful. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. You see, the first thing that Peter had to do is he had to realize that there's a burden that every one of us carries. And that first burden that every one of us carries is the burden of saying, I'm going to trust me and my way over God and his way. And the problem is, if we continue to carry this around, then we're never going to be able to go the distance that God is encouraging us to go. And so what Jesus encourages us to do is to say, listen, you got to leave behind. I know that you got years of experience. I know that you think you know what you're doing. I know you think that you have it all together and that you don't need somebody else to come along and carry your burden. But I want to let you know what Jesus says is, listen, listen to me. Trust my way. I don't know about you, but here's what I experience when Jesus tells me that. When, when I experience and Jesus says, listen, trust my way instead of your way, Matt, what I experience is a but Jesus kind of moment. Anybody have one of those moments? Though? You're like, this is, you're, you're hanging on to this. Like, you're like, I can't even, I can't even. You're hanging on to this, right? And you're like, but Jesus. And he's like, listen, let go of trying to make it so that money is what makes you happy. And you're like, but Jesus, let go of that relationship that you know is not healthy, but Jesus, let go of all the things that you thought your life was going to be and your plans and your way and your wants. Let go of that. And I think sometimes what happens, we're carrying it around, we're tired, and we're saying, but Jesus. This past uh, week, I was struggling with a but Jesus kind of moment. 
It's happened over and over again. And it's not like all of a sudden, you know, you come to know Jesus and, you know, you just kind of leave everything there. He actually encouraged you to keep keep giving things over to him. And so uh, last year I had one of those moments. We uh, moved into my parents' house. And so my parents, they're moving here. But before they moved here, uh, they said, we want to buy a house. We want you to live in it for a, a year. And then we're going to come over and we're going to um, go ahead and we're going to live there instead. And so I remember sitting in the backyard and I was, I was looking at this house. And I, in that moment, I felt like God was just saying to me, Matt, if I gave you this house right now, would you give it back to me? And in that moment, I had like a but Jesus. I was like, Jesus, if you gave me this house, it would really fulfill my dreams of wanting to be a father who could provide for his family. It would fulfill my dreams of wanting to be a man who could actually be somewhat successful financially. It would fulfill that, God, do you know the ministry I could do in this house? Do you know the things that I could do in this house? And I remember in that moment, Jesus just being like, do you love this house more than you love me? Are you more about your way than you are about my way. Yeah. In that moment, I had a but Jesus kind of moment. Anybody else had one of those but Jesus kind of moments? You see, I have some but Jesus moments as, as I, I serve people. And, and the crazy thing about serving people when Jesus asks you to serve them is he says, don't go around and like be like, hey, social media, like here's all the cool things that I'm doing. I'm like, do you see everybody that I'm loving? Do you see this person that I serve? And the but Jesus moments are the moments that you've served somebody and you say, is this gonna be something that stays behind the scenes? Or is this gonna be something that as a pastor, I could come and celebrate on a Sunday and you guys would be like, wow, that's a really good example of that guy following Jesus. See, it's those but Jesus kind of moments that it's an opportunity for us to say, listen, not my way anymore. I'm willing to lay aside my way because my way got me to where I am today. And if I'm where I am today, I can tell you that I want to be where Jesus wants me tomorrow. And those are two very different places. And, and, and if this got me here and if I can only get this far by myself and if I want to get there, that means I better come to Jesus instead. And so I think maybe sometimes today, I wonder how many of us are saying, listen, I've had but Jesus kind of conversations. Jesus says, come follow me. And you're like, but Jesus, does that mean I got to actually like be around other Christians? Like they're kind of weird. You know, they're all like, you know, like they raise their hands and like they love you and like talk in weird ways and like brother and sister and fellowship and all those things. You're like, do I really have to? He's like, come and follow me. And you're like, but Jesus, do I really have to give you ever? And you kind of hold on to those things. And maybe you hold on to your sexuality or you hold on to your money or you hold on to whatever that might be. And in that moment, Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to be unburdened, you got to leave it behind. So the first challenge is this. The first challenge is leave behind trust in my way and trust in Jesus' way. The second one is this. The second one is leave behind trust in my mission and trust in Jesus' mission. Trust in whose mission? Jesus. In Jesus' mission. Here's what it says in verse 6. It says, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. They came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Which, by the way, I think many of us would be like, cool, Jesus. Like, yes, that's why I come to you because you make me rich. You give me everything that I want. In that moment, we would take our fish and be like, listen, that's great. I don't need the fish giver. I just want the fish. And here's what happens instead is we see that in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And then here's what Jesus says. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. See, the second thing that many of us need to get up and give up 
is that we need to give up our mission. That I think what happens sometimes is we say, well, listen, before I came to Jesus, I had a plan. My accountant, my CPA, we had a plan. We, we knew what was going on. I'm, my fingers are giving out every time I do that. We were like, I, I, I got my stuff, and, and I'm going to come to Jesus, and I'm going to have my mission still. I'm going to have my mission to be comfortable. I'm going to have my mission to do the things that I want to do. I'm going to have my mission to be able to make sure that I look good on social media. And it's going to be all about me because I want to make sure that, yeah, Jesus, I kind of want you, but that's like for the next life. But for this life, I want my stuff. For the next life, that's kind of your time. This is my time. And what Jesus says is, no, 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 listen, if you want to follow after me, you need to take up my mission. You see, Jesus says his mission in Luke chapter 10, or Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. I want to tell you something right now. Your mission outside of Jesus is too small to live for. As I look at a beautiful house, I know a lot of people who own beautiful houses and just have too small of a mission. I know a lot of people who have all the things that everybody would want to live in the American dream, and still they're living below what God has called them to because they don't have the mission of Jesus. And what happens sometimes in the church is we end up being like, okay, I'm going to come to Jesus, but I still want to be able to do my thing. I want to be living life my way. And we think that we can do both at the same time, that we can be like, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, but live my mission. And when we do that, no wonder why we're burned out and tired. No wonder why we're exhausted, why we're not experiencing joy. Because when Jesus invites us, he doesn't invite us to just to get a ticket into heaven. He invites us to follow after him. The problem is I think sometimes what happened in the church is they're like, hey, you, you, you want a good life, right? People are like, yeah, I want a good life. Like you want more money, right? Yeah, I want more money. You want health, right? Yeah, I want health. Well, you don't want to go to hell, right? Yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Well, Jesus can probably do that. And we're like, well, cool. If Jesus can get me those things, I'm in for Jesus. The problem is that Jesus the whole time says, listen, you're in for me or not in for me at all. You're either all in or you're not in. And so Jesus invites us and says, listen, be about my mission. Can I tell you right now that there is nothing like being on Jesus' mission, to sit across from somebody and watch Jesus transform their life, watch Jesus transform their marriage. And what happens in the church is we end up saying, well, that's what I pay you for. And the problem is that that's not what you pay me for. The problem is that you, you pay me, for those of you who do, you pay me to be able to equip you for the work of the ministry so that you can go out so that you can look at change in somebody's life and say, man, can you believe that they're walking away from God? They were in addiction. They were in sin. They were so entrenched in their ways. They were closed off from other people. They couldn't trust anybody. And then Jesus showed up. Yeah. And to live a life where you can sit across a table from somebody and watch transformation of a miracle happen before your eyes is more incredible than any dollar amount you could ever get, any mission that you're on, no matter what you're doing, to show up and say, I'm on his mission. So I love this past week, we had an opportunity. Tom Davis, one of the guys who attends here serving in kids ministry today, opened up his house and said, listen, we're just going to invite a bunch of guys over. And so he invited all of his neighbors over. We had some other guys invite people from their work and all got together. And can I tell you that church happened that day? It was not in a building, but it was a people of God gathering together to love the people around them. And I got to tell you today, what the world does not need is bigger buildings. What the world does not need is like, cool, they like gathered a bunch of people together and now they're like together. No, what the world needs is us to be on Jesus' mission of loving the people around us. And when we do that, we experience new joy because we recognize it's not about me. It's about you. 
It's about loving you and serving you. It's about seeing different things happen in your life. And can I tell you, I I sat with somebody this past week and prayed for them as they were kind of in their final days of life. And I can tell you right now, they were looking at what Jesus had done for them. They're thinking about what Jesus did in their life. They did not think about how much they had. They did not think about what they wished they would have done at their job. So for us to be on Jesus' mission means that we leave behind our mission. The last one is this. This is a little cheap because it's all encompassing, but the last one is this. Leave behind trust in my anything. Someone say trust in my anything. Leave behind trust in my anything and trust in Jesus' everything. It says this in verse 11. Then they brought the boats to land. Their means of livelihood, by the way. It says they left everything and they followed him. This is the, the, biggest, the biggest of all the weights. I'm, I'm a little nervous here. This is the biggest of all the weights. Because I think that when it comes to this last thing that we're like, this is just the, this is the catch-all. That we're like, but, but I don't want to leave everything. Everything's kind of comfortable, and I like my everything. And there's some certain things about it I don't like and I'm uncomfortable with, and that's why I come up to church. But there's some things I really want to keep. And what Jesus says to us is, listen, it's the everything that's weighing you down. It's the everything. It's the saying, I got this. It's the saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm cool with you, but I don't know about, you know, what does it really look like for me to follow you in every day? And Jesus says, listen, it's worth it to leave everything for the sake of the gospel. It was a couple of weeks ago, Holly and I were in Chicago, and we always love going to Chicago, and we'll go on the Magnificent Mile, and uh, part of the Magnificent Mile is that there's Tiffany's there, which is every man's nightmare, but every woman's delight. And so we're walking through Tiffany's, right? There are these crazy necklaces, these crazy rings that you look at the price tag, $50,000 for a ring. I'm like, that is a nice ring. You're looking at some of the price tags. There's, there is a Tiffany necklace that Lady Gaga wore. It's weird that I just said Gaga, but there it is. That Lady Gaga wore 2019 Oscars, 128 carats. It is worth over $30 million. So Holly and I have been house hunting. And I want you to just think, as we walk through a house, that we, there's this board at the, in the floor that's kind of like, you know, tipped up a little bit. We're like, oh, that's interesting. So we, we kind of like peek underneath it, and we see this necklace in there. What do we do in that moment, right? I mean, you could steal it. It's fine. But uh, it's not fine. Don't steal it. Uh, but, but if you wanted it rightfully, right, what would you do? You'd go sell everything you got. You'd sell everything that you have. You'd be like, car, don't care. House, don't care. Everything that I got, I'm going to go, I'm going to sell it, and I'm going to buy this house because in this house, I know there's greater treasure than anything else that would be in my life. And Jesus says it's the exact same way with the kingdom of God, that you find the treasure and you say, listen, compared to this, everything else seems like nothing. Compared to joy in Christ, everything else is not worth it. And so we give everything for the sake of Jesus. And as we have that last weight, all of a sudden, now we, we don't have to carry all these things. You see, but we don't just simply leave it behind, but we actually bring it like this. And, and here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter something, verse 28, I think 10. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You see, it's when you do this that you bring it to Jesus. You see, and the reason why we give it all to Jesus is because Jesus gave it all to us. 
that we recognize, we look at the brokenness inside of us, we look at the woundedness inside of us, and it just feels like no matter what we do that we can't quite fill that up. And the problem is that every one of us, that means there's sin in our life, and it's broken down everything around us. We look at a world, and nobody's saying this is a great world. We're looking at flooding happening over in Germany with people dying. We look at what happened down in Florida, and we look at that, and we're like, why is that happening? We look, and there's brokenness in the world around us. And so Jesus came. So Jesus lived the perfect life you and I couldn't live. He didn't have any of this baggage. And the problem is sometimes we stop at that and we just say, well, listen, so go live a life like Jesus. The problem is this. I can watch the Olympics, which are coming up, and I can watch the gymnasts do what they do. There ain't no way that I'm about to go do any of those things, those gymnasts. I can watch all day long, but that doesn't mean I can do it. And so what Jesus did is he didn't come and say, so go live a life like me. He actually came, and then on the cross, he took your sin. He took my shame. He took my brokenness and my wounds. He took all the weights that I've been carrying around for so long. And the reason he can say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest is because he took all of this so that we could experience all of his life. See, the message of Jesus is not go do better. The message of Jesus is leave it all and follow after him. And so I thought to myself, what would it look like for us to not just simply have this sermon and for the pastor to get up and tell you all these things, but what would it look like for us to actually be the church where we encourage one another? And so over the next few weeks, we talk about the story of us. I would love to just spend a few minutes interviewing someone on the spot. And so, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> And so I've asked uh, Angie to come up, and Angie's going to share a little bit about what her experience was like and leaving some of those things behind and in following Jesus. Because I think it's not just in my story. It's in your story and learning from one another that we get to experience the beauty of what it looks like to have life in Christ.